With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We misrepresented. Trace down for a while, but now we back in it. Downtown, Peco Park, a new beginning. Let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Baby says she want to go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre game. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holler Padre gang. Yeah, that. Welcome on in, everyone. Episode 149 of the Talking Cars podcast and YouTube show. Great home opener for the Padres yesterday, and we got a special guest today, Fox Sports baseball analyst, huge Shohei Otani fan, Ben Verlander. Ben, thank you so much for hopping on. Of course, man. I appreciate you having me. We got pretty much the Ben and Ben show right now. (laughs) Um, Yeah, perfect. So let's just get right started into it. the Padres had their home opener yesterday, obviously a huge win, only gave up that Aussie Albies home run late. Musgrove was great, six and two-thirds shutout innings. Manny, five hits and hit a home run. Just great all around. C.J. Abrams had you know that home run at Petco for his first career at bat at Petco, first guy that's ever done that. Just what were your thoughts overall you know, on that home opener? Yeah, you know, it was awesome. I, I was watching that game. Um, and to see Manny Machado have the day he did was really cool. Um, CJ Abrams hitting that opposite field home run. Uh, I, it was such a cool moment. The Padres looked great and they looked exciting. The crowd was into it. It was, in my opinion, you, you couldn't ask for anything more from a home opener. So uh, it was really cool to see. Joe Musgrove is a friend of mine and came on my podcast with Fox Sports recently. And uh, to see him throw the way he did. It was really cool, and it was just a really fun game to watch. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and then FS1, obviously, they have Padres Braves uh, tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow, middle of the day. Braves, obviously, that's kind of my next question here. Where do you put them in the National League uh, in terms of contenders? I have them second behind the Dodgers. Yeah, you know, that's where that's where I had them to start the year. And uh, to be honest with you, it, it's been a little – I mean, I know the season just started, but without Ronald Acuna, without Mike Soroka, um, who they obviously didn't have last year, but he's expected back at some point, this team just not isn't quite clicking just yet. And I know they will. I know they will be really good at some point. I think they're actually um, – I, I think they have the potential to be better than they were last year when they won the World Series. You lose Freddie Freeman, that's never a good thing. But they get Matt Olson, who's a good replacement and will be better long-term in the future. And then, you know, you add back a couple of guys. You get um, Eddie Rosario back, Adam Duvall. Then once you start adding in Ronald Acuna, who missed the second half of the year, and adding back other guys, uh, this team's going to be really good. They're going to be really exciting to watch. And it's just a matter of time until they start clicking. So I had them um, at the start of the year right behind the Dodgers in terms of the national league. And uh, to start the year, it's just been a little bit of a, a little bit of a slow start for the world series champs. Yeah. And you mentioned Freddie Freeman. I, I guess we can pivot a little bit to the Dodgers here. Uh, Matt Olson, like you mentioned, is a good replacement, but what did you think of him going to the Dodgers like that? And it didn't seem like the, for me, at least the Braves kind of just lowballed them. They, they just, or maybe it wasn't a low ball. They just didn't really communicate as well as I thought they should have based on how much Freddie has done for them. And then a question off of that is what kind of impact do you think you'll have with the Dodgers? Yeah, you know, I'm with you. And it's as it's made me think of the question of as a Braves fan, if you're a Braves fan, what do you want more? Because Freddie Freeman is and forever will be, in my opinion, an Atlanta Brave. He's the face of that franchise. He always will be. He won you a World Series. He won an MVP there. The list and the accolades go on. So, yes, he is getting a little bit older and wanted a long-term deal. The Braves clearly weren't willing to do that. But as a Braves fan, do you want Freddie Freeman to remain an Atlanta Brave for life? And, and even if at the end of that contract, it's probably not going to be a great deal for, for the team. Or do you want to move on now when he's playing his best baseball and set yourself up well for the future? And that's a tough question to ask, but you're certainly right. The Braves, the Braves kind of did lowball him. They, they weren't willing to budge and they weren't willing to go where he wanted them to go. And as a fan of the game and as a fan of Freddie Freeman and seeing him become a legend in Atlanta – it was tough to see the Braves, um, I don't want to say treat him like that, but tough to not see the Braves at least, at least make a real legitimate offer to, to bring him back. And instead, Anthopolis made the, the right. If, if you're looking at it from a competitive standpoint, mm -hmm. from now and, and for the next decade, he made the right move. I don't think there's any arguing that. But there is something to be said about having a franchise icon and treating him right as we get towards the end of his career. Yeah, yeah. And then with the Dodgers, how do you think he'll play into that? Obviously, last night he had that double, I think, in his first at-bat. What do you think his impact's going to be? And just with that lineup, like, they're they're absolutely stacked. I know they lost Pollock, but even they could just have Chris Taylor go right back in there. So he seems like he's going to really fit in well for them, and it's going to obviously make it harder for us, you know, and the Padres to 
uh, you know, really contend with them. That lineup is ridiculous. Um, and adding a guy like Freddie Freeman right there into the middle of it is it's impressive and it's special. You know, I, I saw the double last night and the crowd going wild and chanting Freddie. And it just made me really happy for Freddie Freeman. You know, it's not easy for him to uproot his life and his family and leave Atlanta when he was very vocal about wanting to stay there. Uh, so for him to go to L.A. and to get the welcome he did from Dodgers fans and to have that moment where he hits the double, takes off his helmet and just soaks in the moment was really cool to see. Um, and, and obviously you put a former MVP, you put a guy that is is Freddie Freeman and you put him right in the middle of the lineup. It, it's the best lineup on paper in baseball, hands down. And putting Fred, like it's just it's ridiculous when you start going one through nine and you can name Freddie Freeman right in the middle of that. It's wild. Yeah. Uh, another and he could contend, you know, for the MVP this year. I think Manny Machado will as well. Obviously, five hits last night, hit a home run. Do you do you think he'll, you know, be in that MVP race? I think Tatis being out maybe could shine the light more on Manny, and that could help him as well, at least early on in the year. Where do you think Manny could fit in in that NL MVP conversation? Well, if he keeps getting five hits a night, he'll be right at the top of that MVP yeah. conversation. Uh, you know, in my opinion, the National League MVP is a little more of a wide-open race. Um, so certainly a guy like Manny could win it. He's a stud. I look, I look on the American league and it, it, you know, the names that jump out are Shohei and Vladdy jr. Um, if Shohei does what he did last year, he's going to win it. If Vladdy does what, what he probably will do all year, then, then he can win it as well. And in the national league, yeah, you have Juan Soto, you have Bryce Harper who just won it, but with Ronald Acuna missing the first month of the year, with Fernando Tatis missing a couple of months, it's just more of a wide open race. And if the Padres can be really good to to start the year, that's going to be on the back of Manny Machado. He's going to have to carry this team. And this far, he's doing just that. So in my opinion, you have to take that into account when it comes to an MVP. If this team ends up being a playoff team, uh, and in my opinion, they will be right around it. They will be fighting for a playoff spot until the last day of the year. If they end up in the playoffs without Tatis for, I don't want to say half the year, but you know, the, for a good part of the year, that's going to be because of Manny Machado. And you have to take that into account. And if he keeps doing what he's doing, he has just as good a chance as anybody in the National League to win it. I agree. I agree. Uh, before opening day, we'll move to that with your preseason rankings. You I saw you didn't have the Padres in your top 10. Why was that? Was that because the offense is a little concerning? No Tatis, didn't know if the rotation was going to stay healthy, didn't know. I don't know. I forget if it was before they got Taylor Rodgers on opening day, but didn't really know the closer. What were the reasons why they weren't in that top 10? Yeah, it was definitely before they got Taylor Rodgers. And, and the Padres, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I am glad you asked because this was probably – the toughest one getting down to that nine and 10 spot are the toughest ones in the power rankings. And the Padres were the hardest ones to not put in. And the reason I ended up not doing it is because of just so many question marks to start the year. And um, if Tatis was in, if Tatis wasn't hurt, they probably would have been around eight or nine to start the year. But without him in, I was concerned about the offense. And there are just so many question marks in that rotation that can be top tier guys you're just not sure like Blake Snell in my opinion has the ability to be one of the best pitchers in baseball 
but he just wasn't last year. And he certainly has that ability to this year. And, and what is he going to be? And what is Darvish going to be this year? This was also pre Sean Manaya, who is fantastic and took a no hitter into the, you know, into the seventh inning a couple of days ago. And that that's a good addition. So um, they are playing really good. There were just, in my opinion, a lot of question marks that concern me, the offense, the pitch. And this isn't like the offense isn't going to be good or the pitching staff isn't going to be good or there's no back into the bullpen. It was just, there's a lot of question marks and coming off a year last year where it just all fell apart when I was the biggest believer in the world in the Padres, what is this year going to hold? And that's why I had them right in that 11 spot, right out of the top 10 to start the year, because what are we going to get from them? And in my opinion, um, I was a huge believer in Bob Melvin. And I thought with everything that I had that Bob Melvin would come in and make a massive impact on this team. Uh, and, and it's clear that, he, at least to this point, is doing that. So I like the Padres. I like what they're doing. But I kept them out of the top 10 just because Tatis being out really, really worried me about what the offensive production they would be able to get. But little little did I take into account that Eric Hosmer is the best hitter in baseball every April. It is wild. <laughs> yeah. And then Jerks and Profar as well. I mean, he's going off as well offensively. He's improving defensively, uh, you know, to add to that. After that first week of the year, you had the Padres in the top 10. Did you really like the pitching out of the gate? I mean, Darvish, Manaya. I know Darvish struggled the second start, but he pitched well the first start. Musgrove had a quality start. Even Nabil Chrismat came in three shutout innings in place of Snell, you know, with less than 10 minutes notice on that Sunday game <laughs> that they blew out the Diamondbacks. So was part of that because of how impressed you were with the rotation and the pitching overall, besides probably – that opening day game, uh, that opening night game where the bullpen collapsed in the ninth. Yeah, you know, um, those pre those preseason rankings where I had the Padres at basically 11 yeah. was pre-Sean Mania, um, pre-Rogers. And like I just said, there, there were a lot of question marks for me. And I felt like in the first week of the year, they answered a lot of those question marks. Um, mm. Will this offense be the best without Tatis? No, but it, it can be good, and it is good. And what can you get from this pitching staff? Will, will they be good? Will Darvish still be good? Sean Manaya is going to step in. How's he going to do? The answer to those questions were they're going to do fantastic. And then Rodgers at the back end of the bullpen, you add him in, he's going to be good. Uh, so it was just a pretty easy option for me to say, okay, I had this team just out of the top 10 because of these few question marks. And in my opinion, they answered those question marks and are good enough to be in the top 10 right now. Yeah. Moving back to last night, uh, I, I thought it was a little really interesting post-game. Kevin Acey, uh, Padres beat writer, who's talking to Manny Machado, and Manny told him, I don't know if you saw this, on Eric Cosmer, he said, quote, I'm glad he's here and he's going to continue to be here. If not, or and if not, I'm going to be very mad, bad, mad person. I'm going to be a very mad bad mad person so <laughs> it seems like i mean i know they're you know really great uh friends with one another they play catch with each other before the game as warming up and all that um, but what are your thoughts on those comments you know for me at least look i understand that they're great teammates and all that but what is manny if he had to choose between one or the other hosmer or winning assuming that hosmer doesn't keep this up which one is he going to choose? And I think it's winning. Like, 
let's say, you know, because he was pointing to the numbers. He mentioned the numbers to Kevin AC last night. And right now, yeah, they look great. But the past four years, I know 2020 was shortened, so maybe the three years of the four years, he has not produced. You know, entering this year of $80 million of that base salary that he's earned, according to Fangraphs, he's earned less than $5 million of that. So he's just not producing at the level that the Padres are paying him and what fans were expecting him to be in 2018 before that first year started. So if Manny had to pick between one or the other, I think it's winning. So what are your thoughts on uh, those comments that he made? Yeah, you know, it's crazy. It feels like every April Eric Hosmer does this. I mean, yeah. he starts off really hot and gets people, maybe we believe in, in Eric Hosmer again. And, and look, I understand what Manny Machado is saying, and I understand they like each other. And I'm also going to say that Eric Hosmer is a good baseball player. But it's the contract, and it's the contract that um, it's really high, and it's it's – hindering this team it's hindering the Padres and yes Eric Hosmer is a good baseball player but he is not worth what the Padres are paying him every single year especially to have a hot start and then falter and then just not be great for the rest of the year they need him to be better and if Eric Hosmer can continue to do what he's doing and obviously uh, I'm looking at it now he's hitting 462 I don't think he's going to be able to continue what he's doing but I mean if he can continue to be productive and being a good hitter then all is great but if he's not, then this is just a massive contract that you need to get off the table. And it's clearly been hard. And, and I don't think it's any secret, which makes it even harder on Eric Hosmer. The Padres have been trying to move Eric Hosmer and to move that contract. And for him to come out and have the start to the year that he is, in my opinion, is really special. And to have the players stick up for him is really cool. But he needs to produce. And if not, Manny Machado has to understand, look, yes, he's a good ball player. He can help our team but he can't help our team enough for the money that he is making every single year. Let's move that contract, free up some space, bring in some good players instead and move on from there and try and win a world series. The goal for this Padres team that clearly has all the talent in the world shouldn't be to get into the playoffs. It should be to compete with the Dodgers in the playoffs and to win a world series. And in my opinion, there's better ways to do that than having a contract that's just bogging up the whole roster. Yeah. Moving to uh, one of Hosmer's teammates, Jerks and Profar, he's gotten off to a really hot start, just like Hosmer. I also assume, like Hosmer, that this isn't going to you know, continue. Uh, I mean, I obviously hope it does. But if it doesn't continue and it slides off a little bit, do you think that Trent Grisham and Will Myers can help replace that production that Profar is doing right now? Because both have gotten off to slow starts. Grisham... Didn't, he, he was one of two guys last night that didn't get a hit. Um, he was striking out. Myers got a hit, but it was a bloop single. Or a bloop. Uh, yeah, I think it was a bloop single. Um, just do you think that they can replace some of that profile production when it does, I think, inevitably, you know, slide? Yeah, you know, one, I think Trent Grisham is a, is a great hitter. And I think it's just a matter of time before he figures it out and turns this around. Um, but we talk about Hosmer and we talk about Profar, two guys that are you expecting them to keep this up all year? I, I think the answer has to be no. But what you have to be happy about as Padres fans is you have these guys that are picking up the slack of Fernando Tatis not being in the lineup. And I was saying this before the year, if you can just tread water 
until Fernando Tatis comes back. That's just going to be great for your team. It's going to open up so many windows. And you have these guys, Profar and, and Hosmer, that are allowing you to do that. Uh, you, you need to find added production elsewhere when you're, when you're missing an MVP candidate kind of guy. They're finding that. So whether this lasts the whole year or not, uh, in my opinion, you shouldn't expect it to, but you should be thrilled that they're doing this while they are. And it's just a matter of time until guys like Grisham and Myers turn. I, Grisham is really good. Myers has been has shown that he can be good. Um, so it's a matter of time for those guys. But the fact that the slack of Tatis being out is being picked up by guys that you didn't expect it to be is a really, really good sign for the Padres. And that's why they're playing well, in my opinion, because you're getting guys stepping up when they need to. Yeah, it's really, really helpful right now. Uh, something that I don't think we were expecting, uh, Profar at least. I think Hosmer... I was expecting him to get off to, you know, a hot start because he always what does he, what he does, what he does. <laughs> um, but will that continue is the question. Uh, but with Mackenzie Gore making his debut tonight, obviously that's very highly anticipated. Uh, big step back last year, went all the way from AAA to Peoria, where we weren't even seeing what he was doing. Then Ruben Niebla comes in, helps him. You know, they met at Peco Park before the lockout. Niebla told Gore to do some specific things, and it, he ended up doing that during the lockout. Comes into spring training, really pitches well. Last start in El Paso, his first minor league start of the year, he goes five shutout innings. Then Blake Snell has the adductor strain, and that opens up that left-handed starter spot, which they give to Gore. Was on the tackle squad, now he's officially called up, making the start tonight. What are your thoughts, or not, not just thoughts, but what are your expectations for Gore I mean, five starts is last start, like I just mentioned. I take four innings, but I'm hoping that he at least gets through five, couple runs. You know, what what do you do you think that uh, we should expect from Gore? You know, I always try and temper my expectations when it comes to a a prospect guy making his first ever big league start. Um, I, I'm so excited to watch him tonight. I, I think he has the ability to be a great in the game of baseball and I'm hopeful that he has figured it out and it appears at least that he has figured something out. So now he's going to test it out in the big leagues, which is never easy against the world series champions. So, you know, you get your first start, it's against the world series champs, your nerves are through the roof. So I always try and temper it because what we see tonight may not be what we can expect from Mackenzie Gore in the future. But I, I think what the, the signs you should look for and be happy about is, is just looking at his stuff. Is he throwing strikes? Is he able to strike guys out? Is he able to get guys out with his stuff at the big league level? And, and does he have that put-away pitch? When he gets ahead in the count, can he put guys away? Well, look, we're going to see walks tonight. We're going to see. I'm not expecting him to go out there and not give up a single run over five innings again. This is, a big league, this is his big league debut. You have to look at it for what it is. He's going to be extremely nervous. He's going to be amped up. He's going to be throwing harder than he probably usually does. His command's going to be a little all over the place. So I look for that. Can he hone all that adrenaline in? Can he bring it together? Can he can he throw strikes? Can he get guys out? And if he goes out there and throws four or five innings and gives up a run or two, I think that's a big success in my opinion. And, and I'm hopeful that he's able to do that because this guy is is an electric arm and has the potential to be really good in this game. Yeah, and then the C.J. Abrams, uh, Gil, one of the 
fans here in the chat. I'm official president of the CJ Abrams <laughs> fan club. Uh, he, I had a homer last night, two hit or yeah, two hits, I think on the year so far. So a little bit of a slow start, but in terms of the rookie of the year race NL rookie of the year, where do you have him? Do you think he's in the mix? He's he was my prediction going into this year of who's going to win the national league rookie of the year. Uh, Gore, I think is another option, but it, I just don't know how much, how long he'll stay in the big leagues. You know, maybe he'll go back down when Clevenger had a rehab assignment last night, comes back up, Snell comes back, something like that. But where do you think uh, CJ stands with that NL rookie of the year? I, I love watching his game. I, I think, yeah, you're right. He's off to a little bit of a slow start, but that first home home run always tends to loosen you up a little bit. So I'm excited to watch him play now. In terms of rookie of the year, I think he, I think the favorite is, uh, Say Suzuki, who's also off to an incredible start, by the way. Um, and to just have a guy that comes over from Japan and uh, has been playing at the highest level over there, I think that helps a little bit. I think it helps to come over and then immediately start producing. For these rookies like Abrams, who's, you know, really young and just trying to get his feet wet at the big league level, um, I, I, think he, I think he's going to be great. I'm hopeful he is. Um, I've always liked watching him play. I've been following his career. But um, I, I think once he once he got that home run out of the way, I think it opens up doors for him. I'm excited to see if he can take off now. Um, like I said, I think the favorite is Seiya Suzuki. But look, the National League is wide open in terms of NL Rookie of the Year, and he certainly has the potential. And like I said, everything comes back to Tatis being out. If Abrams can step in while he's out and become a guy, well, well then that's a whole different conversation. Wait then you're talking about the end of the year coming along and it's okay. The Padres made the playoffs and they had CJ Abrams step in and, and be a big guy for them while Tatis was out. That stuff matters. And I'm hopeful he can be good. I'm hopeful he can be great and, and be really good for this team while Tatis is out. What were your thoughts? I see this comment here by Quan here about Suzuki. Did the Cubs overpay the way he's playing? I mean, it's too early to you know judge that, but in terms of the Padres, did you expect them to get Suzuki? You know, he visited Petco Park. He was meeting with Darvish, uh, but they ended up not getting him. Were you kind of surprised by that? Yeah, you know, by all accounts, I thought I thought that was going to happen. I thought he was going to go there. Um, and then, like, I saw this fake account tweet out. I saw this account tweet out this rumor that Suzuki was signing there. Um, right. That would have been cool. I, I thought it was going to happen, but – it's turned out to be a good pickup for the Cubs and the comment of did they overpay? Well, we're, we're six games into the year and he's hitting 368 with three bombs already. You could argue they underpaid and you could argue mm -hmm. anybody would pay anything for those sort of numbers. So, um, yeah, that's just why I temper. I, I like CJ Abrams a lot, but I, that's why I temper my expectations of rookie of the year, because what's happening for the Cubs with Suzuki has been incredible. And to see him play baseball is, has been really cool. So, no, the Cubs didn't overpay, and uh, yes, I thought he was going to the Padres for sure. And man, that would have been such a good pickup for them. It's like it's the perfect fit for them. So uh, I was hoping that would happen. Yeah, him and Darvish would have, uh, and Kim, I think they would have definitely, you know, get got along. Uh, first week of the season here for the Padres, they're five and three, week or so. Um, what are your initial takeaways? Your good, bad takeaways for me. The pitching stands out as good, obviously. And then some bad, I mean, Robert Suarez, 
you know, was a closer candidate before they got Taylor Rodgers. He hasn't pitched great. Um, obviously, Tatis being out, but we already knew that. What What are some of your takeaways so far from the first week of our season? Yeah, my my takeaways so far are that Bob Melvin, the Bob Melvin effect matters. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the best managers in baseball. He's been dealing with for years a team that has constantly overperformed from the product that they put out there on the field in the Oakland days. And that's a big testament to him and the, the manager that he is. And now a team with a lot of talent gets him and a team that just needed needs to learn how to win and needs to learn how to win with what they have, because they're certainly talented enough to do it. I just don't think um, I don't, I don't think they had the right guys leading the way. And I think Bob Melvin is the right guy. So that matters. The pitching staff has been fantastic. That's certainly been a positive for me. Um, seeing those guys at the top of the rotation, adding Sean Maniah, who is a really good pitcher, adding Rogers, who will be good, great at the back end of the bullpen, has been good. And, you know, to me, so far this year, it's mostly positives for this Padres team. And I don't want to come on a, a Padres show with you and just blow a bunch of smoke and say, yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're all good. But this is the this is the best start to the year that you could ask for. Obviously, opening day, the bullpen's blown it. If I had to pick, I would say um, bridging the gap between the starters and the closer is is a one spot that that needs to get better. Um, but all in all, this has been a good start to the year for a team that, in my opinion, was was just on the cusp and will be just on the cusp of making the playoffs. This is the this is as good of a start as you could ask for. When you talk about bridging that gap as well between the starter and uh, Taylor Rogers, the closer, the thing is, is the way the starting pitching is doing right now, there isn't many guys that you need to put between that, you know, to bridge that gap. Like these last few nights, uh, obviously last night was a blowout, so they had Pedro Avila in there. But when you get to Taylor Rogers or whatever, you only, you only need one guy like Steve or Steven Wilson the other day pitched a couple innings to end the game. Like, that's all you need sometimes the way at least we're starting how the starting rotation's going. Uh, and, and that's another positive for me as well. And then you go back to Bob Melvin, even just the feel definitely com- it's, you can't even compare him and Jace Tingler. Like you just can't no. um, the way the feel that he has. And then yesterday Musgrove pitching, you know, went, went through six and Bob Melvin went up to him and was thinking about taking him out. And then Musgrove said, selfishly, I want him to go that seventh inning. And then Melvin was like, hey, you know what? Okay, what if I have you go two outs and then take you out so you can get some ovation, that little ovation? That's having a feel for San Diego and having a feel for your starter. And that's a player manager right there. And just everything that you've heard, and I know that there's sometimes when a new manager gets hired, oh, great move, great move. But here, like, you haven't heard anyone that has said anything that has anything related to, oh, man, this guy – some red flag here. Like, it's just not like, it seems like he can communicate well with the front office. He's not a puppet for the front office either though. And it also seems like he can communicate really well with players. You know, you saw Manny smiling ear to ear with Melvin in the dugout yesterday as well. So with Bob Melvin, this seems like the legit job here, uh, the legit person that the Padres could have went out and gotten. Yeah, I was thrilled the second I saw it happen. Um, I was a believer in the Padres last year. And uh, look, this is nothing against him. I just don't think Chase Tingler was the answer. Uh, When you have this really talented team, 
you don't want it to be led by a guy that doesn't have much experience and hasn't won. Um, so bringing in a guy like Bob Melvin, who in my opinion is a top manager in, in the game of baseball, it immediately, in my opinion, was was a great decision. And um, it's it's showing to be the case. And, and it is. It's little stuff like that. You know, uh, his guy comes off the mound after a great outing and says, hey, I, I want to go back out there. And he says, well, I, I can't let you go full inning, but I trust you. I'll send you back out there. We'll, we'll get you an ovation. It's stuff like that that wins over um, the hearts and the minds of a, of a team. And he's doing that. We're eight games into the year, and he's already doing that. Padres fans have have a real one at the helm there with Bob Melvin. And uh, as a fan of the game of baseball, uh, I love seeing it, man. I, I love seeing him do his thing there. And I think he is going to be a fantastic fit for this team this year. Yeah. All right. We got one more question before we get out of here. I really appreciate your time. Uh, but before we get to that, this episode is sponsored by Gaglione Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. Gaglonebros.com to view their entire menu. They got two locations in Point Loma and in Mission Gorge, located inside Petco Park as well. Three locations there, one garlic fry stand as well. Um, so if you're heading out to Mackenzie Gore's debut tonight, make sure to go get yourself some cheesesteak and garlic fries. Uh, last question for you, uh, Ben. I really appreciate it. So a lot of us here, I'm sure everyone in this chat and watching on replay, watching live, or listening to the podcast. We can't imagine having a brother in the big leagues. And you obviously have one with Justin. And obviously he pitched great, you know, in his return, his first start coming back. What's the feeling like, you know, whenever I know it was definitely different, you know, in his first start, right? Because of the emotions, how long he was not there, not with the Astros and recovering. But what are just the emotions start to start of, you know, seeing your brother pitch in the big leagues? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's been wild the last year or so. You know, my brother's nine years older than me, mm. and uh, all I've known in my life is him pitching. And last year was the first year in my entire life that I didn't get to watch him pitch. So the other night in Anaheim was a really um, emotional and awesome night for my family. You know, everybody was on hand. We all got to watch him take the mound for the first time in 624 days. And uh, it was special. And uh, he threw incredible, uh, which I, you know, obviously I was, I was, I get super nervous for his starts, but I was for so many reasons, you know, he hadn't pitched in forever. He's coming off Tommy John. He had the flu the entire week leading up to that game. I just wanted it to go well. I just wanted him to throw well. And he did. And it was awesome. And now it kind of feels like we're off and running and I'm able to um, step back from my role in the sports media world now and uh, just be his brother again and support him and get excited every time it's his fifth day and he's able to start. Uh, he'll start on Saturday in, in uh, Seattle. So it's been awesome. It's been quite the year and a half, two years without him pitching. And I couldn't be more happy to have my brother back out there on the mound. It's what makes him happy. It's what makes me happy. And uh, it's awesome to see. Yeah, I bet. All right, this has been fun. Episode 149 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Hope everyone enjoyed it. Ben Verlander with me, Ben Fadden, your host. Thank you so much, Ben, for the time. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, everyone, enjoy McGinsey Gore Night tonight, making his debut in the big leagues at Petco Park on Jackie Robinson Day. 
Thank you, everyone. See ya.